In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. In 2008, a woman named Peggy Lean Bartles was going about her regular routine. She worked as a secretary at the Embassy of Ghana in Washington, D.C., and when she wasn't working there, she was busy elsewhere. She worked as a part-time receptionist at a nursing home to raise extra money. She would make and gather together crafts from Ghana and sell them at craft fairs and Uh, holiday festivals. She did everything she could to raise extra money and send it home to Ghana, to her village. And then she got a telephone call, and she thought it was family in Ghana needing something, and so she saw the number come up and ignored it, and it kept coming up. And finally, she uh, answered the call. She learned that her uncle, the king, had died. The village elders had gotten together And she was the new king. Peggy became king. Not queen, but King Peggy. Since that phone call, uh, she's continued her routine in Washington, but every break or holiday she gets, she travels back to Ghana, where she is king of Otuam. And there in the village of Otuam, she uh, deals with people around economic issues and agricultural issues and squabbles, all sorts of things that a king might do. When she was initially appointed or elected, It seems like the village elders wanted someone who would stay in Silver Spring, Maryland, (laughs) and stay out of their way. They found a very different thing with King Peggy, as one of the first things she did was to straighten out the corruption and figure out why the community money seemed to only go to a few. I love the story about King Peggy. There's a memoir called King Peggy. You can read all about her and and read other great stories about how she very wisely sorts out difficult issues and carries on as king of this village. In our day, especially with the news so full of examples of men in authority who abuse that authority and perhaps even worse, don't even comprehend the problem, It's helpful to have another symbol of a king, isn't it? Especially a female king. What I most love about King Peggy, not only her sense of humor, but that she understands her calling as one that is absolutely rooted in service. In her memoir, she writes about one day when she was working at the embassy. She had already become king, but she was still doing her job at the embassy in Washington. And she was running all over the place and checking details and and doing everything that one needs to do to make sure a reception would happen on time and in good form. And she noticed a symbol on the wall that represented a phrase in an African language. And she looked up the phrase. The phrase said simply, He who wants to be king in the future must first learn to serve. She says she burst out laughing but kept moving. And she thought, well, this king serves. Sure enough, this king serves coffee and serves tea and just about everything else. But that sense of service, 
that sense of service and not standing above other people or apart from other people is at the very heart of the meaning of this Sunday, this Sunday the church calls Christ the King, this Sunday that's the last Sunday before a new church year begins with the first Sunday of Advent next week. It's interesting, if you think about it, that we would attribute the word king to Jesus when in his life he did everything he could to avoid that sort of term and, in fact, to deconstruct it and turn it on its head. Near the end of his life, when he's being interviewed by Pontius Pilate, Jesus says, my kingship is not of this world. And Pontius Pilate pushes the question and says, but, but you are a king, aren't you? And Jesus says, you say that I am. Jesus, if he is a king at all, he's the sort of king his mother sang about in the Magnificat. A king who would show mercy and scatter the proud and cast down the mighty and lift up the lowly and fill the hungry with good things. One way of understanding the person and the work of Jesus is in the Hebrew scriptures, this old idea of a shepherd king. King David is, of course, the forerunner. But today's first reading from the prophet Ezekiel deepens this shepherd king imagery. The shepherd, after all, is one who seeks out and saves. The shepherd finds who's lost and brings her home where she belongs. The shepherd king offers shelter and nurture and protection. And yet, a little like King Peggy, the shepherd king is no wimp. The shepherd king shows strength when needed and encourages the problem sheep to shape up or move along or perhaps go meet the the butcher. The shepherd king is not sentimental like some Victorian watercolor of a blonde, blue-eyed, good shepherd Jesus. That's not who we meet in scripture. Instead, the good shepherd is tough as nails when he needs to be and ready to risk his life for a sheep, and yet at the same time treating each one with gentleness and care and love. We see this idea blossom in the gospel. Now, if you haven't been to church in a while, or maybe never been to church, um, this gospel might be a stumbling block, uh, this discussion of separating the sheep from the goats and a fiery eternal judgment. Um, Unfortunately, that's the only experience some people have of church. And wouldn't you know, on a day when we have a lot of visitors, that's the reading we read. But notice especially that, that judgment is not our business. It has nothing to do with us. Judgment is what God does in God's own good time. And if you notice who's being judged, they've basically set it up by the way they live their lives. So it's not some mystery. It doesn't belong to any group or any individual to meet justice out. It doesn't belong to us, certainly. It doesn't belong to any religious leader or any church or religious perspective. Judgment belongs to God. It's none of our business. It's our business. It's our task to imitate this shepherd king, to look out for each other, to to help each other, especially to watch out for the least well-off and the neediest. 
Jesus explains that his is a kingdom of service, a commonwealth of helping others. He says, come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. It's not that hard, really. At every turn, Jesus chooses service over privilege when he enters Jerusalem for what will be his final days and the entrance that we commemorate on Palm Sunday. Remember that Jesus rides a donkey. He risks ridicule and comedy. He's kind of the clown of the day. He rejects a crown to the extent that his persecutors have to fashion one out of briars and thorns and put it on his head. Jesus rejects power and prestige and popularity. He even rejects success, at least success in the eyes of the world. Jesus serves alongside us, in front of us, behind us. Jesus is the sort of king who is still mopping the floor after we've left the party and gone home. One of the earliest stories about Jesus in the scriptures has to do with the the moment he approaches his cousin, John the Baptist. Jesus, too, wants to be baptized. He says that to John, and John says, no, 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 it should be the other way around. If anyone should be baptized, I should be baptized by you. But Jesus insists. He wants to be baptized by John just like everybody else. Jesus wants to stand in that same water, that same water over which the Spirit of God hovers at creation, that same water through which the children of Israel are saved and brought into freedom. Jesus shows us his humanity and his humility as he is baptized into the love and mercy of God. He's also baptized into the service of humanity so that he too can then invite others to come to the water. Come to the water for refreshment, for cleansing, for healing, for renewal. In just a few minutes, we baptize Jason Waters. Baptism marks a beginning. A new beginning in love, in relationships, in worldview, in self-understanding. But it also marks a deepening into Christian service. And so like King Peggy of Otuam, Jason might find his time filled by serving coffee or by providing calm in the chaos of feeding hundreds on Thanksgiving. Or who knows what's next? For us, whether today we remember our own baptism or perhaps come from a completely different perspective and take what we can from this holy sacrament, today's a good day to renew our own sense of service. Question and always reject the kind of authority that props itself up at the expense of others. Instead, let us all be a part of the kind of authority that that sneaks up through compassion and care and service. In the scripture readings earlier, we heard those beautiful words from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. May they come true for Jason. May they come true for us all. 
that we all of us would be given that spirit of wisdom and revelation that with the eyes of our heart enlightened, we may know what is the hope to which he has called us all. What are the riches of our glorious inheritance among the saints? What are the immeasurable greatnesses of his power for all who believe? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.